Hi, I'm Kurt, and this is Gigging Stories. I was coming up as a musician, one of my favorite parts of gigging happened when we took breaks. The older musicians would stand around and tell funny stories about things that happened on gigs. Most of the world doesn't get to experience this rich and hilarious part of music making, so I created gigging stories. Each episode features a guest and me swapping stories from gigs. So enjoy, and if you have a story to tell, please send me a message. Okay, my guest this episode is my friend Jason Mendelson. Jason and I um, sort of came up together in some ways. We played together in Tampa a long time ago. And I can't even remember, Jason, were you actually in my class at University of Tampa? I can't remember how that Well, remind me, which class was that? I don't know. I was teaching theory classes and history classes back then. I I don't think so. But we sort of knew... I think we were introduced by Doc. We knew each other from the University of Tampa, and then I hired Jason originally as a as a trombone player. And then one week when I had to, we were missing a bass player, Jason was like, "Oh, I can play bass." And then one week when we I was missing, he said, "Oh, I can play keyboard." And I just found this uh, gifted multi instrumentalist, and we played. Um, several gigs around town that you'll be hearing about in an upcoming episode. And then Jason. Um, Moved to See, you didn't know me that well back then, so you I actually didn't. believed me. That's right. I fooled you. <laughs> and then, uh, and then uh, Jason moved to D.C., and he's chiefly known. Uh, you can look him up in the Washington Post because he's been featured, I think, more than once for his Metro Songs album. He's written 91 songs about every Metro stop in the D.C. area <laughs> on eight, eight, eight albums did you do? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Has it been more than one article in the Washington Post? Yeah, there were two big ones, okay. and then like every now and then they would, if there was a new album coming out, they were yeah, nice enough to plug that. Yeah, so it's cool if you don't know about them, check out the Metro songs, and uh, Jason's gonna tell us a story. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, when we moved here, it was about 10 years ago, and I say here, I shouldn't say here because we just moved out of the DC area, but um, we moved to the DC area in 2010. And, you know, when you're a singer-songwriter type, it's very hard to get noticed because we're, we're a dime a dozen and it's just kind of a look-at-me thing. Who cares? So uh, very quickly, I found a way that I could kind of get into the music scene was by playing other instruments for other singer-songwriters. Like I would play bass for someone or keyboards or, or whatever. So I ended up, you know, doing a lot of, I guess, networking uh, and playing other instruments for others, you know, making myself useful instead of just playing my own songs and saying, hey, look at me. And one guy that I played a, I've played a lot of gigs with, he's a good friend of mine now, is Johnny Grave. He's a DC local and uh, he's a blues guy. 
and he's a big like historian. Uh, he really studies the history of the blues and is, you know, really keeping the music alive in many respects. And uh, he plays electric usually with a full band, uh, you know, drums, bass. And his name is Johnny Grave. That's and right. He's a blues singer. <laughs> oh, yeah. He didn't just make that name up. <laughs> well, it, it is a, a, it's a play on his last name. Okay. okay. Um, got it's, you. All right. All right. <laughs> it's all right. You're allowed to do that. If... <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so, you know, he usually plays with a full band, electric. And like if there's, I'll sub on bass if his guy can't make the gig. Or if he has a big gig and he can do a whole six piece, I'll play keyboards or something. Uh, but in 2014, he started this acoustic trio uh, because he wanted he wanted an upright bass player, and his normal guy didn't play upright. So I would play upright bass, and then the harmonica player would join us. We did all these acoustic gigs, um, and as you can imagine, when you play blues, you you play a pretty wide variety of gigs from filthy bars mm -hmm. to, you know, we had a residency at a, a speakeasy type of place, yeah. like a cocktail lounge kind of thing. Sure. We played the Canadian Embassy Christmas party several years in a row. Wow, those are good Kennedy, gigs usually. K Kennedy Center. Uh -huh. I mean, just, you know, Like in the lobby stuff. or what? <laughs> the uh mo the millennium stage okay it's uh it's the uh, yeah not like the big stage the but, little one uh, yeah i know which one the little one yeah. okay uh and so in 2016 and i have to make it very clear that this story takes place in 2016 <laughs> not in 2017 gotcha. or 18 gotcha. or 19 and definitely not 20 okay uh, <laughs> uh, so in 2016 johnny was asked to play the white house east room for their Ooh. Christmas, their Christmas tours. Cool. Um, and uh, so, you know, like I said, pretty wide variety of gigs with this guy. And, uh, and so he brought the acoustic trio because it was like, I don't know, 11 a.m. on a Wednesday or something. Mm -hmm. you know? So uh, just a weird time for music. Not, not a weird time for accountants, but, uh, but <laughs> a weird time for musicians. Um, so I was able to get the day off, of course. Um, and Clarify, I don't know if we've mentioned this or not, but Jason is an accountant by day. <laughs> yeah, not exactly an accountant. I do taxes, but okay. close enough. I just, yeah, I'm an accountant. <laughs> and that, get, that gets, gets the idea across. So, you know, DC traffic is notoriously bad. And so when you have things like this, you, you, t you tend to go really early just in case there's some mess on the roads, which there usually is. This day there was not, so we get down there, you know, a couple hours early, find a parking garage. I've got my upright base, so I'm lugging this thing several right. blocks. We find a coffee shop uh, close to the White House. We hang out for a while, kill time. Time comes, we walk, we walk the last block to the White House, we get up to security. And the first thing they do is, is they, don't, they don't know, like, we're, who we are, why we're there. Like, I don't know if we weren't on the list or what, but... We wait and they, they, they figure it out. They separate us from our gear. So the first thing is, you know, all right, put all your stuff in this room and then walk outside and go around the corner over there, you know. And so we're like, oh, God. And I'm just, I'm just imagining, you know, 
they're going to x-ray some some bag of our electronics and think oh what's this right because i don't know what experience they have with musicians here so uh anyway that was fine so but the dogs sniffed our gear they had the dogs all over it you know check, to check everything <laughs> out so that was kind of funny um one of you know and one of the guys joke you know jokes like oh what are those dogs sniffing for <laughs> right 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 um but uh, so we get on in they put us in this green room and you know there's like posters on the wall of like chuck berry playing there or something right, you know right. like you know pretty pretty heavy hitters and so you know we just feel totally like you know like we snuck in or something it's just hilarious and uh they get us ready they gave us cookies they gave us white house white cookies, house cookies. That's, yeah so that was, that's cool. that was pretty nice um we get tuned up and they bring and so then they it's right. It's a showtime. We've got to go play, and they bring us through this like winding series of stairways and hallways. And, and you're carrying the you know, bass the whole time. I've got the bass. You know, yeah. Johnny's got his like amp and guitar because he would sing through a tube amp uh -huh. um, for a real warm sound. And then the sure. harmonica. You know, he's got he's helping with the mic stand and stuff. So we go through all these you know, little staircases and things, and we're in the East Room. We play the gig. You know, it's. Christmas time, the, you know, the decorations and things are beautiful and the, you know, the, the crowds are coming through and just kind of looking at stuff and we play our set and towards the end of the set, you know, there's a piano off to the side and, uh, you know, one of the guys is kind of, kind of, you know, looks to me, he's like, Hey, you should go play that piano. And, you know, with, there's this thing with pianos in semi-public places where often they'll have a sign, you know, that please do not play. play the piano. <laughs> right. So in your, throughout your life, when you see enough of the signs that say, don't do this, if you don't see such a sign, you kind of assume that it must be okay. okay right. <laughs> right. And so, you know, he, so, so the harmonica player is like, Hey, you should play the piano. Ha ha ha. Kind of kidding. And I'm like, okay. I will. <laughs> and I'm like, hey Johnny, play uh, play play something slow. So we do CC Rider, a real slow uh -huh. song. And, and I and I because I've never played piano. I play I'll play the organ, you know, with him, but I'll, but I never played piano. So we do a song, and I play piano, and I don't think much, too much of it. And um, and then afterwards, uh, I kind of I look up some history. <laughs> it turns out, let me let me read just a couple of lines from the White House Historical Association. Love it. On this. Um, it turns out the piano that I probably was not supposed to play. Uh, here we go. At a ceremony, December 1938, this grand piano was presented to President Franklin D. Roosevelt what? by Mr. Theodore Steinway on behalf of the Steinway family. The 300,000th Steinway piano, it was built to replace another Steinway, number 100,000. And there's all this like ornate, um, you know, these like gilded carvings and things like that on it. It's super nice. That's and cool. I just was feel it like a tune? jackass. Was oh, it yeah, tune? it was. Yeah, it was great. It was fantastic. And you just played a tune on the White House piano. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. That's a great story. I love it. That's a great so, gigging story. Yeah. Places I definitely have no business being. Yeah, but. but that's cool. That's cool that you know how to play so many instruments, too, that people can just do that.
will tell you a story from when we were in Lincoln. On the first episode of this podcast, Bonnie Kramer said all the best stories come from, from Craigslist. And I've never actually played <laughs> a, a Craigslist gig. But, oh, you're missing out, my so friend. This is, this is not my gigging story, but I was there for it. So I feel like I'm allowed to tell it. So it goes like this. Um, my kids were about maybe 19 and 16, or maybe they were 20 and 17, somewhere like that. Anyway, my oldest son, Zach, had moved out of the house. And my youngest son, Avi, was still living in the house. They're both musicians. And um, we had heard either from Zach telling us or from his brother or something that Zach had joined a band by responding to a Craigslist ad. <laughs> and all I had heard about it was that it was a biker band, that it was a biker band he was in, that he was playing with. And I'm thinking, okay. what is this? He's like, he's like 19 years old, he's 20 years old, and he's playing with these like 40-something-year-old biker dudes, right? And, awesome. Um, but whatever. And they need... I, I can't remember because Zach was singing lead vocals for the band, and they were mostly doing like, they were doing like Southern rock covers. They're doing Allman Brothers and Leonard Skinner and stuff like that. Sure. And, uh, and they need a guitarist. So he convinces his little brother to play lead guitarist in this biker band, which is only <laughs> funny because um, they're both very gifted musicians. Avi's a whiz guitar player, but he's really into jazz. So he's only playing like these big hollow body guitars that he wears way up high on his chest, you know, because so he's, he's serious about technique. So he's not wearing that stuff strapped down. He's got it way up high playing a hollow body in a biker band, which is just kind of funny for anybody that knows anything about guitars. So anyway, <laughs> we're at dinner one night and Avi has joined this biker band with his brother. And he says, well, you know, um, we have a, a one-eyed drummer named Ogre. And like any father, I responded, that's the most awesome thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and he said, um, and we're actually, we're going to play a gig. Uh, it's for a biker rally at the 4-H club in Seward. <laughs> So there's Seward, so much to unpack there. I know, right? So, <laughs> so there's, 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 Seward is a town. It's about 30 minutes through the cornfields outside of Lincoln. And he says, so we've got this gig on such and such a date at a biker rally at, at, in Seward. And, oh, by the way, I'm just kidding about the drummer only having one eye. And I'm like, oh, man. He says he is named Ogre, though. And I'm like, all right, that's kind of cool. <laughs> So then we go through this series of negotiations because these boys have a father that's known for dressing sometimes somewhat eccentrically. And they're like, you're not wearing any like floral printed shirts or anything to a biker rally. So we like negotiate. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, I'll wear a t-shirt and blue jeans, but I'm still wearing my Birkenstocks to the thing. And they're like, okay, fine. <laughs> um, and so we drive out, you know, the 30 minutes to this, to this, uh, biker rally and it's just a big concrete floor metal warehouse building that they've got set up 
there's like a little bit of a raised platform for the stage in the front where the band is going to play. There are like some tables and chairs set up around. And then towards the back of the room, there are a bunch of tables with stuff all over them because they're having an auction during this biker rally. I don't know what they're raising money for, but they, you can go and they're having this silent auction where you can go bid on stuff in the back. So we find a place less like sort of up front because we want to watch the boys and stuff playing. And we're kind of up front in the middle at these tables sitting there. And are, is the, are the piles of stuff covered? No, 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 no. It's open. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. it's, it's, it's open. You can see all the stuff. And this big, like big biker dude, you know, comes up to me. He's he's hefty. He's got a big beard. He's kind of a big burly dude with kind of red reddish hair, and he's like, "Are you Zach and Avi's dad?" I'm like, yeah. He's like, "Well, I'm ogre." <laughs> oh well, I've heard about you. Pleased to meet you. Well, you know, Mr. Ogre. I don't know if that's your <laughs> Mr. Ogre. I don't know if that's your Christian name or your surname or whatever. You know, but but and he says, "Well, I just wanted to tell you, you've done a really good job raising your boys." And I'm like, "Well, thank. You. That's really nice of you to say." And he goes, "Well, I gotta go." And I said, okay. <laughs> One of my brothers is getting married. <laughs> and I said, oh, where? And he said, right here. <laughs> he said, when? And he said, right now. <laughs> and I turn and look and some music starts playing. And there is a lady pulling a paper runner across the concrete floor, sort of diagonally from one of the doors up to the where the stage is, where the band's going to play. Okay. And this girl is starting to walk down this paper runner. She's wearing, Jason, a skirt. I don't even know how to describe. It's got like pleats that go from the top all the way down it in these circles. I've never seen anything quite like it. She's carrying a bouquet of flowers. And this is the maid of honor. And she's got also on like a, a, a black tank top with like very ample cleavage hanging out. And I've never seen a skirt like this before. And I turned to Jennifer, who's next to me, because we find ourselves in the middle of a biker wedding, un, you know, unaware. And I'm like, what do you call that that she's wearing? And she's like, I call it a lampshade because that's what it looked most like. She walks down. By the time she gets to the stage, there's the biker that's getting married and he's just wearing like his cuts and an officiant who's just another biker who's wearing his his cuts, you know, with the with the with the biker gang symbols on the back of them and all of that. Okay. Then the music changes and the bride-to-be comes down. She's wearing, you know, a simple white dress and a veil and all of that. And she marches down the aisle to whatever wedding march they played over the sound system. And, then, you know, what do you do? You're in the middle of a biker wedding. We start watching it. And the officiant, who's just another biker, is like, you know, does the opening. We're gathered here today kind of thing to join these two. And then it comes time for the vows. So she's giving her vow first. 
And she says, uh, we need a chair. He needs to sit down. And so they bring up a chair to sit down. All the bikers in the room start going nuts. They're like hooting and hollering. They're like, give him a lap dance. Is she going to give him a lap yes. dance? <laughs> but no. <laughs> she takes the microphone, the play over the sound system, the, the piece from this moment, which is like the cheesiest pop song uh-huh. uh, in the world. And she sings it. It's got a it's got a modulation in the middle of it, like just instrumental. And it was the weirdest thing too, because that's where she stopped singing. The music modulates. All the bikers started cheering during the modulation, which I thought was really weird. Okay. <laughs> he finishes the song. <laughs> then the dude has to stand up because it's time for him to give his vows. And his vows go like this. I'm telling you, this is I'm gonna quote them verbatim. <laughs> <laughs> he looks at her and he goes. We've been together a long time, eight years. We've been through a lot of shit. I know you love me. That's it. (laughs) Awesome. That's the mouth. So then the ceremony ends. They play the music. They walk out. They roll up the paper runner, and it's time for the band to start getting ready. So they finish the ceremony, and they start setting up for the band to play. Now, the weirdest part about that business was the band had a sound man named Tiny. who had Of course. A, who of had, course. Who had a prosthetic leg. And for oh, whatever man. reason, I couldn't figure it out. We couldn't figure it out. While he was doing it, he pulled his prosthetic leg off and was like crawling around on the stage plugging in uh, Mike Jackson stuff I don't know why he pulled the leg off but he did he pulled the leg off and he was crawling around had his legs standing up on the edge of the stage and then when he got done doing whatever he was done he popped the leg back on well, when you're working, you don't need that. You don't need all that dead weight. That's right. So then before that, the band starts um, one of the other bikers, it was probably the same guy that officiated the ceremony, comes up and he says, before we bring the band out, we're going to bring the bride out for her first dance. But before that, we have two brief announcements. Number one, we still have a lot of items in the silent auction that haven't been bid on yet especially the tasers in the back <laughs> because, like, that's, how, that's how you tell it's a classy event because it's a silent auction on tasers <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and uh, second announcement we still don't have enough volunteers for the wet t-shirt contest coming up after the hand plays <laughs> and I of course turned to my wife and said we didn't have a wet t-shirt contest at our wedding (laughs) (laughs) and then they announced the bride to come out for her first dance she only danced one dance she came back out and by this time she had her biker clothes back on you know the blue jeans and the t-shirt and she had a new set of cuts on a new jacket the reception cuts yeah and the jacket on the back said this time property of abram because that was the biker dude's name so that was kind of gross and creepy but she she wore the rest of the night the property of abram cuts and then 
the band played, they played all their Southern rock tunes and whatever else. And then after their set, I got the pleasure of going with my like young high school age son and his girlfriend and helping him carry gear out to the car, walking through a gauntlet of, of young women I don't know how you say it, preparing for the wet t-shirt contest. I didn't know that there was a thing that you did, but there's some things that I'm not going to describe that they were doing to prepare. And I had to walk out carrying guitars and amps through a gauntlet of young ladies getting ready to go on. And we made a quick exit. And I have to say, I did not, I did not stay for the wet t-shirt contest. But left. And so that's the story of the biker gig. It's not my gig, but I feel like I own it a little bit because I was there for it. That's a great story. That's that is hilarious. I love it. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing that. <laughs> you know, the one time that reminds me of one time I played a biker bar. Uh they had an open blues jam. This was still in Florida. And, you know, I get up there, I'm like 22 years old i bring my fretless bass i have no idea this is like a bike it was a biker bar in saint pete or something so i show up hey guys yeah can i play you know? <laughs> and, uh, and so they're all looking at me like mm -hmm, yeah all right get up there i ended i i had my fretless bass and a compressor which you know levels out your volume so that makes your quiets louder and your louds quieter which enables the savvy player to play simply by tapping Right. really hard with the left hand on the neck. So I drank a full beer throughout the course of one song, just playing by tapping the neck and holding the beer in the right hand. I got, I got, I won over, I won the crowd over with that. <laughs> yeah. There's a, that's a, that's an amazing, I've never been able to master it. So Fats Waller and some of those great stride piano players used to be able to drink a scotch and, and keep a stride going with their left hand at the same time. Oh, wow. Cool. So, yeah. <laughs> 